Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to this week's International Women's Day special episode of White Wine Question Time. I'm Kate Thornton and on today's show we've gathered three women who've survived and thrived in traditionally male-dominated spaces, all in very different ways. First up, she's back. She is one third of the Sugar Babes and a woman who, if you meet her, you will automatically fall in love with. She is Heidi Range. Oh, okay. It's true. <laughs> and so I just went over to open. I said, I said, my, you know, this scouse kid, I'm like... My nan really loves you and she watches you every day and, and oh, she says she's here and, and, and Oprah said, just go and get her. And I just remember sprinting across this yeah. tent going, Nan! <laughs> Joining Heidi, it's her former dancing on ice rival turned friend, Chemi Alcott. She's a World Cup alpine ski racer, four-time British Olympian at the Winter Games, part of last year's BBC Olympic coverage team and, as of five weeks ago, a mother for the second time around, this time to a little boy called Cooper, who is with her right now. I don't know what your cape is because, boy, oh boy, do you need one. It's Chemi. Yeah, my mum was the driving force for me. I was ruthless in my obsession to win. As a, as a young girl who wanted to win that much, was very unattractive. And I used to say, oh, my mum makes me do this. Because I let her take all this pressure, I let her be the driving force, this unattractive driving force behind my career. Also joining this duo is Chemi's friend, neighbour and fellow three-time Olympic athlete and Winter Games Beebs host, Sarah Lindsay. Sarah's a 10-time British short track speed skating champion who is now a personal trainer to the stars at Raw Fitness. You know, I was totally guilty of exactly what you're talking about and I kind of wish that we had uh, role models more like that in my sport because we were 20... 20 guys on my team, three girls, um, you know, wow. <laughs> men, all the, the coaches were men, the management were, were guys, and I always wanted, I just wear baggy clothes and just try and, you know, sort to of be asexual. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Chemi Alcott. Uh, this woman literally will take your breath away. She has walked in with a five-week-old baby clutched to her right one whilst breastfeeding. <laughs> 
Uh, she and Heidi met on Dancing on Ice as contestants back in 2012 and have remained friends, even though Heidi lost her place on the show to her in a skate-off. We did, Ooh. didn't I? Oh. Sorry, love. Sorry. Do you know what, though, Heidi? It's no Thanks great surprise. Thanks for bringing surprise. that up, Kate. <laughs> That's our friendship over. <laughs> no great surprise, though, because, uh, well, she is Britain's number one skier and was for a record-breaking seven years consecutively, am I right? Sure, sure. I don't love stats, but I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. You competed in three Winter Olympics. Four, games. four, four. Yep. Don't take one of those away. That's no, the whole five years sorry. of my life. Suddenly do love stats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that one. That one I need. Seven world championships. Yep. Sitting across from you, the lovely Sarah Lindsay, a fellow Olympian turned personal trainer and TV host. I've discovered you on Instagram because you turn uh, people into their best selves through fitness. Heidi and I have already gone, right, we're getting her. <laughs> we're going in. We're yeah, should, we, should we change this and just do 45 minutes of working out instead? Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's a bit of room in here. You can manage that. Um, okay, are you ready for your first question? Yeah. Can you remember a time when being a woman got in the way of getting the job done and how you kind of navigated your way around it? Um, for me, actually, going into alpine skiing, I, I remember going to my first race and, and I quite I cared about how I looked. And I went to this World Cup and it was my first one. I'm really excited. And it was amazing how unconfident the girls were in themselves. So they all carried themselves with the mannerisms of a guy and, you know, cut their hair off short and walked like a dude because they thought that's how they had to be to perform well at speed. So we're going 80 miles an hour and they thought, right, this is a male-dominated sport. This is how I have to act. And they changed how they were. And I was thinking, this is wrong. You know, you can be fast and female. And it happened to be an era where Lindsay Vonn, who's one of the biggest names in our sport, beautiful woman, had the confidence to be the best and to wake up in the morning and put eyeliner on and address her femininity in a positive way. So it was really strong that we came forward and went, you know what, actually you know, be confident in who you are as a woman because it doesn't dictate how fast you can ski from A to B. Well, I was totally guilty of exactly what you're talking about and I kind of wish that we had uh, role models more like that in my sport because we were 20... 20 guys on my team, three girls, um, you know, wow. <laughs> men, all the, the coaches were men, the management were, were guys. And I always wanted, I just wear baggy clothes and just try and, you know. Sort to be asexual. Of, yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. you're in a changing room with a bunch of a bunch of guys at the end of the day. So, so yeah, I was guilty of that exact thing. And it wasn't until really? after I finished, I didn't, you know, barely wear makeup. Or if you, if you even wear jeans to the ice rink, because you just wear sort of baggy trousers and, you know, football shirts sort of thing. Um, and, or always wore your team kit. And then, yeah, afterwards, then all of a sudden, and I was embarrassed by being muscular as well. So then after we finished and all of a sudden muscle was celebrated in the industry of fitness. Um, and it's quite a glamorous industry as well. And then having to sort of start wearing makeup and brushing my hair for the first time in 20 years. <laughs> so can, can yeah. I ask, is that something that you felt you had to do? to conform and fit in or was it something that you were made to feel you had to do was that you putting that pressure on yourself oh no I did that my, I did that to myself okay. for sure um, I think one you don't want you don't want people to fancy you and, and stuff when you're trying to focus on on your sport or when you're changing in a changing room with, with other guys um, and I think you just want to focus on what you're doing a little bit I think um, or the boys, like I say, if you even turn up in jeans, the boys are like, oh, who are you seeing today? Or where are you going? Yeah. You know, and you just, I never wanted that attention yeah. when I was that sort it's, of It's wow. odd, isn't it? I, was, I, I work at Radio 2 and I remember interviewing uh, Gloria Hunniford, who was the first woman to have her own show on Radio 2. And you're probably going back to the 80s. 
um, around that time. And she says, really interestingly, that when she first worked there, they only had male toilets because women wow. just were wow. crazy. And you think, God, how far we've come. And thank God for women like you in your sports and Gloria Honeford in my world and the women that came and knocked down doors that made a career like yours possible, Hyde, for the sugar babes, yeah. you know. Um, but that's in our lifetime. It's it's fascinating for me to listen to you because me and Kate were chatting about it earlier and I was saying I've never actually come across that, you know, in my field. And especially being in a girl band, it was like, we were calling the shots, yeah, you know, so we yeah, were never yeah. faced. I know, like, you know, sexism exists and and women can, some women can feel intimidated by men in, a, in you know, a higher up role. I never, I've never felt that or been aware of it or made to feel. The number of times that you're, I'd have done a show or you'd have cut a record and you take it into the people that you're working for, be it a network or a record label, and you go, what do you think? And they'll go, I loved your dress, or you oh. look great. And it's like, <laughs> deflected. No, no, what did you think of the actual job yeah. that I did? Yeah. So there was so, I think actually we work in a, I mean, we absolutely work in a very look centric business. Yeah. Had you ever, had you ever felt that pressure, Hyde? Um, to, to the extreme other end, um, actually, where not you didn't want to hide your femininity, but you were being encouraged to dress a certain way, show a little bit more flesh. Yeah, definitely in the band. But again, I think I put pressure on myself as well. You know, I think we we do. You know, as 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 you know, I was a young girl when I joined the band, and it was more myself. You know, wanting to look like the pop stars I was looking up to thinking, oh, I need to be thinner and prettier and wear this and that. And, you know, um, I think I put that pressure on myself. We were never we were never a group where our management pushed us into trying to wear revealing but stuff. And, I know your management and they were yeah. very progressive and they were very different to a lot of management yeah. companies out there. We were never told to go on a diet. No. Or, when you were going out on tour, they assigned a female tour manager to you. Yes. Very mindful of the fact that actually these are young women who are coming to terms with who they are in life with a huge lens on them. And I think actually, But I think you could see that with the Sugar Babes because that's why you were so successful because you were comfortable with who you are. And it was, well, for us, it was, it was always, we were, we were about the music rather yeah, than yeah. selling. And that's why you had longevity and, you know, people supported you without kind of so much judgment. Yeah. But actually, there, there is a similarity between music and sport. And, and I know Sarah didn't really have this, but I remember signing to my first agent when I was about 12. 12? Because um, actually, Chem, you, did, you skied at 18 months. What? Yeah, like, I don't even know if most kids are walking and by then. Uh, your your first son, Lockie, he's skiing now, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. It sounds, makes me sound like such a pushy mum. He wants to ski because he sees us skiing all the time. Of course he and does. He, he sees mummy on Ski Sunday jumping out of helicopters. And he's just turned two. <laughs> oh my God. Well, you, you did your first race at the age of three. Yeah. And yeah. then you, as a child, because you were so keen to keep training year round, you would spend your summers from the age of 11 in New Zealand training through the winter. Their yeah, winter and, that, and that was very much my choice. And this is like pre-internet, but I remember you seeing... You are a machine, Chen. I, I saw this advert um, on the, at my local dry ski slope saying, we're running a camp down to New Zealand um, in the summer holidays for teenagers. And I was 10 and I was like, 
well, I want to go on that. So I went home and I called. I remember climbing up onto the kitchen counter and using the old school phone and calling them and saying, I'm not a teenager, but I will listen and work harder than all the people you have on the camp. You need to let me to come on the camp. And they, and they agreed. And they said, well, you've obviously got to talk to your parents. So that evening <laughs> I sat my parents down. I said, right, I found a program that's going to help me be my best. I want to do it. And my mum said, well, listen, we've got to talk to your brothers because it's a big commitment for the family to go to New Zealand. And I said, no, no, no. No one needs to come. I can go on my own. How old were you? <laughs> I was 10 when oh I went. Oh, my God, my son's 10 now, and I'm listening to you so, thinking, what? So, yeah, I mean, I coach, <laughs> I coach and mentor all these athletes now. And at 10, you know, kids don't know what they, they want. No, and I my think son still says to me, what shall I wear today? But this, this, I think, is because there's so many other distractions with, with phones and everything, whereas all I wanted was to be a ski racer. And I was like, this will bring out the best in me. Um, and I cried on the on the plane coming home. <laughs> I wasn't homesick. I didn't want to come home. I was like, this so you'd is go it. you there all summer without your family? Yeah, yeah. And I did it for every year until I was 18. Wow. wow. No wonder you were Britain's most successful female skier for seven years running. I can't keep saying that enough. I'm so proud of you. Wow. But, um, but anyway, going back to what Heidi said. So I was 12 and I, and I had this agency and I was a tomboy then. Um, but they controlled my look. So they wanted to sell me a certain way in sport to get sponsors. So I had this long blonde hair and they said, right, you, you have to have long blonde hair. This is how we want you to dress. I had a hairdresser that I had to go to with them. So if I went and... Because one of the first years in New Zealand, I, I dyed my hair blue and I think they saw a photo and went, right, we can't market you as this... <laughs> This actually it didn't even go blue. It went teenager kind of, still. My God, I know. So, so, so I found that really tough that they controlled that, and then it got to the point where I was earning money that I could put back into my skiing to become a better skier. Um, so actually, you I felt yourself so. I, yeah. So I, then way. it was a win-win situation. But I remember the media going, "She's the Anna Kornikova of skiing," and and instead of seeing that as a positive, because Kornikova was an amazing tennis player, but she wasn't winning back then. I was like, "No, no, I'm, I want to win. I don't care about my looks. I'm and I'm using my looks. I'm you know doing these photo shoots as so a means that, to an end. as a means to the end, so I can be a better skier." Um, but obviously they just see me, you know, on a Marks and Spencers doing modelling for this when I was young and things like that and, and judging me for it. And I'm like, no, 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 listen to my story. I'm doing this. And that's actually why I did Dancing on Ice, because I wanted to get back to skiing and I had no funding and I needed a head sponsor. And now when the Dancing on Ice, the PR team were like, we want you to say that you want to be a celeb and you want to do this. And I wasn't very popular on the show with viewers because I kept saying, I'm doing this to get back to skiing. I'm doing this to get back to skiing. And do you remember that I had to fight to get on the tour? Yeah, you actually really? Really? yeah so that. even though I came fifth and six people go on tour, um, they didn't want to put me on tour because I wasn't very popular, so people wouldn't buy tickets to watch me. Um, but what do you mean by popular, that you weren't... Bans- as in, I, I guess I wasn't making them that much money from phone votes or whatever. Right. Um, and there God, were, that's brutal, isn't there it? There were other demographics that they wanted to hit with other people who'd been knocked out in the show. And I kept saying to them, no, I, ne- I need to go on tour because actually... This is why everyone tours all these old rock bands because you don't make money on TV, you make money touring, don't you, Heidi? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I need to be on that tour because then I can get to the next Olympics. And I was so adamant about it, but they kept trying to change my, my dreams and saying, right, no, say this instead, it'll make you more popular. I'm like, that's not true. That's not wow. what I feel. I no. didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that they were I saying I really that had to too, fight. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you wanting, desperately wanting to get on the tour. Yeah. 
That's why. And that's when we became really friends, really. Because we, we got on on the show, but you didn't. You only saw each other once a week when yeah. you'd done the show because you trained separately. And I it remember thinking, till... this sugar babe, she is so sweet. She can't be this nice. <laughs> Every week I was like, oh, she's got, her true colours are going to come out this weekend. And we'd go over for dinner on Saturday night. And um, and I was like, Dougie, she, my husband, I was like, she can't be that nice. I mean, one day she's going to... And I don't know, that's... 10 years later and she is that nice <laughs> she is just thank you and it's a really true. lovely thing to say it's not often that smile drops is it no <laughs> it's because she's got wonderful teeth she knows she's just <laughs> deep all time we'll get you all into raw for a little session and then see if we can Seriously. wipe the smile does the smile like drop then yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm in I'm challenged so I'm, in. I'm smiling now because I've got a glass of wine and we're friends baby Cooper's here it's, it's all <laughs> great it's good yeah. stick us in some lycra with Sarah and we might be regretting <laughs> just it me and lycra yeah, yeah. we don't have to wear lycra those aren't the rules no. I don't wear lycra anymore no well I spent 20 years in head to toe lycra in minus 5 degrees which is ironic because if any of us had that body I would be I'd be walking down the street oh. naked the whole time I'd be in a thong <laughs> with yeah. nipple tassels yes. <laughs> yes check me out well it's been known <laughs> not really obviously. so did you have to kind of stand up for yourself in the same way that Chemi did because you know Heidi and I have had probably just a very blissful experience of being I mean I, I suppose for me I, I was the first woman to edit um, a Smash Hits magazine which is mad At 16 no I was 21 oh 21 I was 21 I wasn't that good babe I couldn't even spell oh I tell everyone I say no when she was 16 that's crazy <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people no. know my version I was still at school <laughs> but so, so for me, I couldn't understand at that time particularly, like, what's the fuss, right? Of course a woman should edit yeah. this magazine. It's for young girls, and I'm a young woman. Yeah. So why are you all, what's, what's with the trumpets, you know, and the confetti? Because it was like, oh, the first female editor of Smash Hits and the youngest. But I just thought what it just makes, it's, it's a great piece of casting. It makes sense. I'm close in age and gender I've never felt like I shouldn't or I couldn't do something because I'm a woman or that it was exceptional because I'm a woman so I guess my story is kind of dull compared to to Shemi's but we had you know I was on a male dominated team like I said but we were always just treated exactly the same so I didn't have I didn't feel that pressure I mean I created that that pressure I guess to to look or wear certain clothes or to be sort of go unnoticed as much as possible Um, but I'm looking at you now and I can't believe you've hidden all of this away you are um, just a very classically beautiful woman. Oh, yeah, you so are. Nice. really are. With the most exceptional, perfect oh. teeth. Well, I think, I mean, it's, um, I guess, a completely different subject, but I had really bad skin through my whole teens and 20s, and I just, it just killed my confidence so much. I hate, I hate. I spent years of just talking with my hand over my mouth or my cat pulled down. You know, not trying to it's make eye contact. Isn't it? it crushes it's your confidence. It's horrible. Like, every morning you get up, look in the mirror, and I'd just be a bit gutted you know and I would so I didn't like meeting new people or making eye contact or I know it sounds a bit silly but somebody will see you from a distance and you know slim and blonde and stuff and then when people get up close I think oh my god just don't get too close because you'll see my skin and realize I'm actually ugly and I just felt like that every day so I think that it's hard to get rid of that and it was only when I finished skating and um and read and learn and changed my diet and, and stuff. And then my skin was clear within a few weeks. Did it clear up with diet? Yeah. Because I did three I mean, weeks. I was, I was that spotty kid. And I, rem- and I remember you just wanting to hide. And but I but Sarah, what, what about your, your... Didn't your performance skating when you were like winning medals, mm-hmm. did that not give you something to feel confident and change your outcome on how... You, well, that's I mean, self-efficacy. That gave me confidence yeah. at skating. 
So, you know, I had confidence but in that. But, but self-confidence in how I looked and, and stuff, I did struggle for Interesting sure. that you've siloed the two. So you've got this kind of professional confidence, yeah. but a personal yeah, confidence two was different lacking. Things. What did you change about your diet that changed your skin? Well, I mean, it's kind of simple for me because I was allergic to milk. So, um, oh, And wow. I was from childhood, so I didn't have any milk until... Um, I apparently grew out of the allergy in my early teens or I think maybe 12 years old and um, I had some medication for some other stuff as well and but then so I've grown out of things like retinol and yeah yeah, yeah. so and then I I started drinking milk again and it was you know just considered a low fat low cost source of protein that I was having maybe three or four pints of milk a day wow so although I wasn't it didn't make me sick anymore or anything because I think you build up a tolerance to the symptoms Mm. so you just kind of suppress those I think it was just all coming out in my skin I mean it couldn't have been helping my recovery and my sport either if it's doing that to your skin what's it doing to your insides you know Mm. Um, but within three weeks of giving up Milk completely. Wow. My it cha- it was changed clear. your life. Really. Changed yeah. everything. Wow. Milk, for God's sake, it's disgusting. <laughs> I, I can't do, believe it. I do love a glass of milk. Nice cold ice cream. Oh, sick. Cheese. Sick. You're yeah. all sickos. Oh, I can't bear it. Just, just on the flip side of this, think about young boys though. So at least as a young girl, especially now with all the makeup in the world, you can try and cover up. You know that unconfident skin that I really feel sorry so for, for teenage boys who have breakouts from a distance, because it, you can look okay. but it affects them for the rest of their life. Yeah. You know, you see them kind of retreating into themselves, never talking to girls, and I coach a lot of young boys, and you just think, oh my gosh, how can I build up your confidence oh. when I can see that you just your your face and and your appearance dictating your personality? It's, it's I, I remember as well, you, you probably they? did this if you had like. Uh, I think mine was uh, mine was acne. Yeah. Um, I used to wake up in the morning and before I looked in the mirror, I would run my fingers over my skin, Aww. like and like reading Braille to think, have they gone down? Yeah. Are they better today? The first thing you think, that first thing is you wake up. Is like, how bad has it, it gone? Is, is is it improved? Can I? And I just couldn't look people. I in think you wait until your late twenties. Like I should have grown out of this by now. I'm not yeah. a teenager. Why is my skin mine didn't go to my mid thirties? I've had about ten good years and now they're back. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> would anybody like a top up? Why not? Why not? Why not? Well, <laughs> go on, Hyde, you do the would honors. You, would you like one? Does uh, <laughs> the day end in wine? <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um, if you were to choose just one, and I'm sure like me, and I know you, Hyde, there are many, um, just one woman who has helped to enable your success in life. It doesn't have to just be professionally, 
But do you have that sisterhood uh, behind you? And is there one woman in particular that really helped you get there? Well, this is quite sad and I'm going to try and not get emotional, but it was definitely my mum. My mum, very interesting background, um, was a massive feminist, did a degree in women's politics, also taught at Lucy Clayton's. So a feminist school, but the other way. So elocution, she taught there. I remember on my 18th birthday. Was that had, wasn't a finishing school, was it? Was, it was, yeah. So was really it? different. Um, how, that, that kind of I don't know slightly how, with feminism, doesn't it? Oh, massively. It? I remember on my 18th birthday, we had this yellow Metro car and I really wanted it. And um, she put this card on the table, the kitchen table, and that's all I had. And I was like... So getting the car inside, it says we're going to get... And I had a week's cramer course on how to become a lady. <laughs> Lucy Clayton's. And I was like, what? I'm a ski racer. I go downhill for a living. I don't need this. It was brutal. I remember the last day I cycled there. It was in Gloucester Road and I cycled every day um, because, you know, I was trying to do fitness at the same time. And the last day they said, oh, everyone come tomorrow in a mini skirt. And I was like, oh, screw that. I'm, you know, I'm in a tracksuit because I'm cycling. And we got there and they had this winged lotus and we had to wear a miniskirt because the lesson of the day was getting out of the lotus without showing our underpants. Oh, oh my good God. And I was like, this is so Wait, so that's crazy. impossible, like, by the way. And, and the car didn't go anywhere. I used to have anywhere. one. It was horrendous. Okay. Yeah. The car didn't go anywhere. I was like, can we just rag it around the block a couple of times and then get out? And they're like, no, we're just going to get in, shut the doors and get out. Oh, oh my God. God. That's so oh okay. Are you sure it wasn't Gloucester Road and not the like 1960s? Exactly. <laughs> and no, we walked with books on our heads and no. all this. Then they, it kind of evolved that's and we so did TV. I cannot imagine you doing And I couldn't believe my mum had sent me there. And for your 18. I know. It was so brutal, especially because she'd also... I was with my mouth open going, no, she also wrote that? this book called Why Can't I Be Like Tomba? And Tomba was the most um, entertaining ski racer of all time. He was this Italian. He was known for partying and bedding lots of women and going out. And I used to say to her every day, why can't I be like Tomba? Why can't I have be charismatic and win? And she's like, because you just don't live in that world yet. <gasps> she's like, the, you wouldn't be celebrated if you were a female athlete going out partying, people seeing you and then performing the next day, even if you won you would be judged. Whereas this Tomba character um, is, you know, I remember meeting Tomba when I was 17 with my best friend at this Rosignol brand party. And um, I was so excited to meet him. He was my icon and I'd watched him skiing growing up. And he put his telephone number into my hand and his <gasps> real number. And I was like, you've ruined everything. Oh, I hate no. you. I've ruined everything. He was You're, like my idol. No, and then he did that. And I was like, no. Them. But he did it to every girl at the party. I was not special. My best friend no, had but it you as well. I just don't want him to I do know. that. I was like, you've, yeah, so that's quite hard for me. But yeah, my mum was the driving force for me. I think she was a competitive swimmer and she got injured and missed the Olympics. So for me, someone who had a lot of injury, she was always there to build me up and keep me on track for my dream. And I remember my, my the and first. Did she always did she always teach you to believe that it was attainable, Lucy? Yes, even though she yes. thought you should go to finishing and school. No, no, it was always attainable if I worked hard. I was ruthless in my obsession to win. Um, on dry slope, there's all these dry slopes around the UK, and it's a quite a social tour at the weekends. Everyone wears baggy trousers. I wanted to win so much that I wore lycra. And I was a strong young girl, so people judged me for how I looked. They judged me for wanting to win so much that I would not look cool. And I used to say, oh, my mum makes me do this. (laughs) And it was a lie. It was a lie. I got up wanting to wear that lycra because I wanted to win. I wanted to do everything to get those hundreds a second, but I knew it was unpopular to look as a girl. So you threw your mum under a bus? Yep. To look as a, as a young girl who wanted to win that much was very unattractive. Well, that's why she did that for you. I so, think that was revenge. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so my whole career. And then when she passed away and I was, it, 
the last time I saw her was in Turin for my third Olympics. Um, and when she passed away, I took time out of the sport. I had surgery and I was in a wheelchair for six months because I wanted to decide. A lot of people had always said that I only skied because of her. Because I let her take all this pressure, I let her be the driving force, this unattractive driving force behind my career because she let like me the, do like that. Like the pushy mum. Yeah, I let her be the pushy mum because it was, it was easier for me to be popular if I said it was all because of my mum. And she took that my whole life. I'm trying not to be emotional. Aww. And then when she died, I was like, okay, maybe I skied for her. And it took two days in this wheelchair and I was like, I bloody love skiing. It's all for me. And all she did was to support me. Oh, oh bless you. Check. Certainly because I haven't slept last night. <laughs> I can't talk. I'm holding Cooper and I'm, I'm a mess. <laughs> but yeah, so her through, throughout everything and still today. Um, it's amazing, I've got it? I've got her diamond on. Uh, oh. We got it as given down to us and she's with me the whole time. Do you not think, though, that she probably knew that all along? Yeah. Especially oh, for now you're sure. a mum yourself. For sure. For sure. She knew what she was doing and she knew that she was strong enough to take that. But I love the way that you don't apologise for your ambition and I don't think you should. No. And ambition attributed to a female is often considered to be a negative trait. Oh, so much. And I've always been madly driven and ambitious to just have the best experiences in life that I want to have. Not at the expense of anyone else, just hungry to hungry to savour what life has and and that's so attractive for a man a man saying I want to be the best is so attractive yeah, like, a yeah, woman saying it. it is uh, she alienates other females she alienates She's men oh, I, yes. don't, I don't agree with you I found when I so we went to three Olympics together and we never really crossed paths because you were up in the mountains and I was down on the on the ground. Um, so even though we're part of the same team, we don't actually spend a lot of time together. And it wasn't until we did um, the Olympic coverage for the Winter Olympics last year that we really spent time together. And it blew me away how supportive Shemi was. I yeah. hadn't done work like that before. Um, and I know no, like, really good. I just touched on a little bit, you know, several years before that. And I was super, super nervous. And I gained so much confidence from Shemi. She just told me that I could do it, that I was brilliant. She pushed me and helped me and um, supported me through the whole thing. And within spending 10 minutes with her, yeah. I felt a million times better. And I definitely, definitely wouldn't have done as well on that if it wasn't for you. And I'm but not saying that because you're... Learned. I think that's what I've learned because I because I want you're to support other women. have girl. to support women. Yeah. And they do, right? Because they, you yeah. build people up, Shem. You don't yeah, pull you people do. down. You really Absolutely. Do. And I didn't know that I was going to get that from you. I didn't expect that. I didn't have any real preconceived ideas at all. Um, but within, yeah, I mean, immediately. Firstly, I, Sarah didn't need any help. She was amazing. So this was I just me was like shaking. I, I, no, I had no idea <laughs> it was your first one. Seriously, yeah. you were really good. Tell me if I'm misreading this, and this is purely my my take as a viewer. I think Claire Balding just loved you, and I think she drew upon your expertise, and she enabled you to flower. She did. She did. She is like she, that. Yeah, she's and really I, like so that. So while you're 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 saying that Shem was like giving you that, I think further massively, up the line, massively, massively, and that is that's a female network at its best. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
the support, the it brings out the best in everyone. And you, you and ended up, Chen, right. being on air like five yeah, days so, a day. Because I was supposed to be an expert just for skiing. And then the first night I got the call sheet for the next day and I was on TV for six hours instead of one, which was a real issue for my childcare. Um, that's <laughs> breastfeeding. Not, just, that's like... not the first thing. The first thing I went is, woohoo, yay me. Um, and they said, right, we, we want you to be kind of our winter sports knowledge you know, next to Claire. Um, and it's because Claire had enjoyed my banter first day. Um, and actually what I think was great for Sarah and I is that we never won the Olympics. And I think that when you bring someone who strive for success, who hasn't achieved it, you can give a much more um, separated degree of knowledge and, and experience of what mm. that athlete's going through without bringing it back to yourself. It's really hard to say, oh my gosh, we just won a gold in this. How does that feel? And if you've won a gold, you're going to go, well, when I won gold, it, it felt like this. Whereas we couldn't say that. So we were kind of gave a, a much kind of all rounder view of how that person's feeling yeah. because what the Winter Olympics showed last year, and we had 52 million views, which was insane for winter sports. Um, I think That's the Elise brilliant. story, I'm going to bring it to Elise because I know that Sarah is really good friends with her but the fact that we focused on her not delivering and the vulnerability and her being on tv and crying and going i haven't done it my life's over and showing how much it cared and this is a, this is an athlete who actually had completely over delivered in all of her trials yes. and just she was oh my god triple if world you, champion if, going yeah. if you were looking at sarah stats, might get emotional just now. Smashed yeah. it, right but yeah when 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 it came to the day yeah that that one minute, whatever it was, it just wasn't there for her. No, she got unlucky. You, you just can't win everything. Yeah, you know she'd won. There was there's only one thing left for her to win, which is the Olympics, and she'd, you know, she was going in as as world champion, as World Cup leader, as world record holder, and I think target she just on had her back. Yes, yeah, so much pressure on her, and she's out there on her own. You know, a lot of the teams have. Um, you know, say the Koreans will have two Koreans in the race or Chinese or whoever the strongest teams are. And Elise is out there by herself. Yeah, and, that's lonely. And she, she did have a lot of pressure on her and she's an emotional girl and she feels everything and she cares a lot. So she um, she really struggled but with it. But I thought that was but, so important for the Olympics, the spirit. Yeah, but you know well, why? We wanted it so much for other people because we didn't do it. We yeah, never yeah, achieved yeah. our ultimate goal, which, you know, it sounds, it sounds a little bit negative. But you did do it. But you competed. It that's not what yes, I no, went no, no, for. Yeah, no, we no, didn't. No, we were never going we to say. We were both say. We were both it's not about the we... winning; it's about the being there. Surely, no. no. <laughs> oh, <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> it's awful because people think it's an amazing achievement, and it is. I do know that it's an amazing achievement that we've we've gone to all these yes, Olympics. Yes, it is. But in my mind, I failed. Yeah, which is fine to fail, and, but and I learn. did. As long as you learn. Yeah, yeah. making just mistakes. Agree for you to say you didn't win, then rather than okay, we didn't win. We didn't win. We learned. We learned a hell of a lot from not winning. Do you have that woman? In, in your backstory, my nan, as you know, I cry every time I talk about it. Anybody who walked into a room, my nan would make them feel a million dollars. She she was a people's pace and she wanted you to feel good. She, from a little girl, she always said to me, you know, just simple things. You should always be kind to people. You should always make people feel good about themselves. You should smile at people. And so when you say I'm a, <laughs> when you say I'm a nice person, that to me, that, 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 that's yeah. something that my nan wanted to instill in me. And I just think it's one of the most basic things you can be is to be kind to people. But what a lovely way to be. And everybody who met her just loved it. And she was the one who told me I could be anybody I wanted to be. She's the one who... Do you remember when you, you took your nan to meet the Pope? 
Uh, not the Pope. No, no she, no, she no, met Nelson Mandela. She met Nelson Mandela That's yeah. <laughs> and and she met well, she met her idol, which was Oprah. My nan, my nan loved Oprah. She watched it every day. She bought every book Oprah recommended. <laughs> and um, we were performing at Nelson Mandela's ninetieth birthday, mm. um, which was amazing. And we we were told we there was a big dinner in Hyde Park the night before where we could take one guest each. And I thought, I've I've got to take my nan, you know, um, it'll be really special for her. So she got the train to London. She had her hair and makeup she had done. all her dresses She done. had a Chanel yeah. scarf on that and I got right. it. So she thought she was like, you know, million But Hyde, how many times did she wear that scarf Oh, she wore? wore it every day. And I wear it now. I've kept, I bought it for her. And it's beautiful. Does it like still a, have her smell? I'm yeah, it, it, it's this midnight blue velvet Chanel scarf and it's got sequins on it. Not sequins, it's sparkly on it. And she just wore it to, to death. And I wear it all the time now. And I just, yeah, but we, we went to Nelson Mandela's 90th and you was told you couldn't speak, uh, go and speak to Oprah because she'd be doing autographs all night. Oprah didn't say that. The the compere said it. Yeah. Um, and I remember being sat on the table um, with Gordon Ramsay and and we were chatting and I said, oh, I said, my nan just like absolutely loves Oprah. But I, I, you're not allowed to go and say anything. And he went, just go. And so I just went over to Oprah and I said, I said, my, you know, this Scouse kid, I'm like, my nan really loves you and she watches you every day. And, and oh, she said, she can translate and, that. And, and Oprah said, just go and get it. And I just remember sprinting across this yes. tent going, nan! <laughs> <laughs> and, and we went over and as my nan met her, they started singing this song together that Oprah must have sang on a, on a show. And um, and they were singing this this hymn together, and then I got a photo, and like everyone in Liverpool saw this photo. You know, <laughs> oh it was my goodness! Pride and joy. Um, but yeah, you know, through my career, I had wonderful women's support. You know, I was in a girl group, and I had female tour managers, female producers who we worked with. But you know, my champion through my whole life was the legend that's Nanny V. And um, and she always will be, you know. Oh, Hyde, I did love your nanny. <laughs> I did. My last question. Oh, look, Cooper's got his hands up like he wants to speak. Your time will come. <laughs> uh, if you could hear what a man was thinking and infiltrate his mind for a day, which man would you choose and why? That would be my dad because he... I don't want to say... It's, it's not going to sound bad. My dad is um, basically a child. He always says that he's 31. You know, obviously it's a bit of an old joke, but he always says that. Um, but <laughs> he he lives in like a... Just like a child head, very innocent. Everything is fun. He... Um, sees things very differently to anybody I've ever known. He's like a constant entertainer. And just to know what he's thinking sometimes would be quite incredible because he's literally on another planet. And he wouldn't really care about me saying that um, because it's not a bad thing. It was, you know, the best part of my childhood. Um, but I think maybe he forgets sometimes that I'm not three, four years old and he's not the class clown anymore. Um 
But yeah, just because he has a completely, I mean, beautiful and brilliant, but very different mind to anybody else I've ever met. And he will come in. If he came in here, he would come in with props. And <laughs> oh, I've never been for dinner without props. <laughs> you know, what kind of props? So he met my husband. He had glow sticks, and which <laughs> made him wear. I mean, but totally, you never understand why either. Totally bizarre, odd things. <laughs> but um, yeah, he's a little bit bonkers. And I think it'd be nice to not think about function and business and what you're doing next and being organised and organising everybody else and things like that and just be in la la land for a, a day. breaking your dad's yeah, head. Exactly. <laughs> See, because sometimes I look at my son and he looks like he's deep in thought. And then I'll say, so what are you thinking? And he'll go, nothing. <laughs> actually oh, nothing. And I go, no, seriously, what are you thinking? And he goes, no, not actually nothing. Ben <laughs> is the most gorgeous boy. He's the most loving, oh, thank you, lovely kind boy Aww. ever isn't he oh, I love I love his head and I mean that, that's where I'd go for a day I just want to see how he feels yeah. well you what know he how thinks. he feels he shouts case doesn't he he yeah. screams down the down the stairs he'll go mum and she's like well I love you oh, oh my so god ten. still doing that ten that's yeah, so, do still you still get cuddles very oh my god I'm yeah. so scared of not getting cuddles and he still holds my hands when we <gasps> drive I saw this Facebook video oh in Mum of Boys and it was, love them now because someday they're going to leave you for another woman. And I was like, oh, oh no. That's a knife for your heart <laughs> But that's right what there. you want. <laughs> I know. And do you know what? Now, I'm really mindful, you know, like with my boyfriend, I love his mum. She's called Linda and she's great. She's kind of, you know, one of us. She's feisty and foxy and fabulous. But I'm really mindful that actually that's her son. Yeah, and I yeah. want her to think that he's in good hands with me, yeah, and not to be that woman that feels like she's putting a knife slowly through your heart. Um, because yeah, that, that's the mind I'd like to infiltrate for the day just to see what's really going on in there. Now that Sarah's been all lighthearted and you've been lighthearted, I'm gonna get serious because my childhood idol was Lance Armstrong and I was obsessed with him, I loved him. And then when it came out that he had cheated. Did that crush you? Oh, my God, it killed me. This this guy I'd put on a pedal stool my whole life because I, I never really had to overcome adversity. I came from a background where I was really supported to be a ski racer and everything. You know, he'd, he'd overcome testicular cancer and he was dominating in an endurance sport. And, um, and it, it really killed me. So I'd love to be in his head to know how he could lie to the world for so long and live with that and 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 were you do, crushed by that i was completely I crushed that. it took it took me a while to to kind of make peace with it actually even yes. though i don't know the guy i had nothing to do with him but just just because he'd been such a big part of inspiring me to be better because you know i hadn't i hadn't overcome cancer i hadn't had, i you know i should be the best i've had all this support and look this guy can do it and then you find out it's a bit like the wizard of oz you pull the curtain back and it's like oh yeah Oh. Brutal, brutal. And, and, and I think so many, I, I must have been in the millions of people around the world who were inspired by him and, you know, who'd supported his charity. I wore that, I wore that yellow Livestrong band. Like That like, was the biggest, that, I think that's the biggest shame. Yeah. Not that he cheated or trying to understand why he cheated. He wanted to win, you know, that's a whole different, a whole different thing. But I think the lies that were built up around this person and who yeah. he was and what he yeah. was doing for people and, you know, what, what he meant but to he still so many but he people. still did that for people he that money still went to people who needed it that's the only way i could make peace with it having watched all the documentaries and read all the books yes he cheated and and he you know bent every rule but money from livestrong maybe not all of it but <laughs> yeah. was going to people who needed you it hope. 
Yeah. Oh my god, I hope. I mean, that. So what, don't crush so, me again. So if you're going to get into his mind, when when do you want to get into his mind? Around that time to understand what his thought process was. Yeah, the first time he ever. First like, time he ever doped. Doped. Yeah. To know what was it that flicked that switch? Because he was very talented as a youngster, and and he couldn't have been doping that whole time. As a youngster, it must have been on raw talent. So when he made that decision, um, but I mean, it is maybe it's part of that world, and everyone's doing it, and you have to do it. But still, you know, he did it, and then lied about it forever, and you know, made a living out of living this lie. And you just think how 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 he must have felt within himself to know that he was lying and and ruining crushing other people's lives who were coming out saying he's cheating and he crushed them he like took them to pieces ruined their families and yet they were they were, they right. were right they were right so i i just so not only is he a that coward, mentality yeah. he's a bully yeah wow Follow that hide. I, I, I can't really. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Well, this light-hearted last question. Sorry. Yeah, I, I haven't. I don't know. I mean, my husband sometimes when he really makes me mad. <laughs> um, Why would you do that? Would you like to understand how he sees you sometimes? Yeah. I mean, um, I, this. I mean, do you know what? I think it would help me out because sometimes, you know. I think I'm quite hard on myself and my husband I would say is my biggest champion he always he is he's your biggest fan he, he is and he's a and lovely he'll say, man he, he has to sit me down a lot and say like you know just give yourself a break and you're you're a great mom and you're doing a great job and and you know what he'll say to me you're beautiful what are you worrying about or you know when I I'm like oh god you know I just feel disgusting or whatever and and actually um sometimes when he says things like that i think he's just saying that to make me feel better but if if i no. actually could you know know what he what he's thinking and go oh he means it and i, I and i know deep down he does mean it but sometimes i need I think that he reassurance he is, I, I, he's yeah. one of life good one of life's good guys you're, yeah. you're alex he's he the really man is. to your nice Perfect woman. Yeah, they are. They, they are. Like, they are. You were skiing when I met him, wasn't yeah, you? Yeah, because he loves skiing. <laughs> yeah, that, that's why we like got this friendship that will never die because Alex loves skiing. Although well, Heidi's no. promised, made Alex promise when they got married that he's not allowed to go heli skiing. Yeah, because I always to wanted go, to go he, heli skiing with Alex, well, and Heidi's like he's not allowed to now. It, it it just terrifies me. And Shemi's actually the worst person I could bring. And I used to phone <laughs> and go, Shem, will he be okay? Is he is he safe? Is he safe? But I saved his life. With that, oh. I, when he was choking in Chamonix. You did? Yeah. yeah she saved his life. The Heimlich manoeuvre. Yeah. No yeah. way. He, uh, he was choking French sausage. on a sausage. <laughs> 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 way to go. Sorry, Coops, I woke you up um, then. Yeah, Just you did. Yeah. Thank you. I did first aid the other day and they said, have you ever had to do this? I'm like, yes, I have. I have. I we extracted a French sausage we, we from my friend's We were at breakfast husband. at the buffet and we were, me and Shemi were looking at the food and we heard... <laughs> And we turned around and my husband was like hunched over the... We weren't married then. Hunched over the table. And I, as you can imagine, Kate, just started crying. It's over. Oh, God. And Shemi's like, can you breathe? And starts like putting her arms around. I just wanted to cuddle him. I've always wanted to cuddle Alex. No. Do you know what, though? My greatest fear with, with Heidi and Alex was when she first met him and she started describing him. She was like, the thing is... I think he might just be too nice. Yeah. And I was like, no, yeah. right, sit down. 
<laughs> yeah. No. She was there like, I'm attracted thing. to bad boys. He can't exactly. be like this. And I was like, yeah. no, no, there's no such thing as too nice. Now tell me what, where this is the problem. She's like, well, he's just like, he always rings when he says he will. Then he'll book a restaurant and it'll yeah. be amazing. And he'll open the door for me. And then, you know, he'll make sure that I get home. And he's just really complimentary. I've got to say, nice. I'm like, yeah. I'm going to punch your face in <laughs> if you do not go on so, another so date. And you know what? I, 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 I had a good say, one. he's never changed. I he had a good one because Heidi told me everything about him except for how he looked. And they rocked up at my house, and she wasn't there. He came first, oh, and right, he, you know, he knocked on my door. And I opened the door, and I'm like, "Oh my god, who is this like male god?" He was like so hot, and it was summer, so there was a little bit of chest showing. And I was just like, "Who's this guy? It can't be Heidi's guy, because Heidi's told me everything she about him except for the fact that he's good looking." So I thought, "Oh, you know, he must she be one of those really me, nice guys." I thought he was going to be really ugly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> big on personality. Because you, you hadn't mentioned yeah. his looks at all. And I was like, "Right, this is it. The whole thing." Oh, and late. then he beat me at um, croquet in my garden. So I was like, "He's a keeper." He's a definite. <laughs> oh, he is a total keeper. Oh, girls, thank you so much. What an intelligent, inspiring, yeah. insightful conversation. It, no, did yeah, you enjoy it? You. Yes, lovely. I've loved yeah. it. I've loved listening to, to your story. It's funny when you know everyone, but you, yeah. you yeah. learn new things. <laughs> It's, yeah, but do you know because of your amazing questions that you ask. Okay, but it's not. Even, do you know what it is as well? I mean, I sit here and I do this show every week with with some of my oldest, dearest friends, and I'm still learning stuff about. But it. Yeah. this is a different world to what yeah. we know as well, isn't and it? And I'm fascinated, yeah. Heidi, aren't you? Yeah, I absolutely. want to know more. I want to come and hang out with you guys, even though I can't ski and I call it snow sports. <laughs> um, <laughs> so PC, <laughs> so PC. Is it PC? Yeah. Is it? Oh, I didn't even know I was being PC. I know, because Sarah's ice sports, so no, you're not. You've got to say winter sports. Winter sports. Um, For what it's worth... I just think you're what you've achieved in your your pursuit for your passions is incredible. Shout <laughs> shout your three Olympic and, games and from the rooftops. And in our eyes, you you didn't fail. Like you, yeah, with like our champions. So if I could just strip the lycra off for a moment and put you in the real world in a pair of jeans, I'm just going to tell you, you didn't fail at the Olympics. You succeeded in getting to the Olympics multiple times. You're awesome. Aww. And can we come and train with you and get some abs, please? Thank 100% you. 100% easy. Thank you. <laughs> uh, that dummy's gone under the floor. Ladies, um, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, please rate, subscribe, share with your friends. I hope that this conversation has been as much fun for you to eavesdrop in on as it has been for us to have. Huge thanks to our Andy Bell, who did the music for this podcast. And it also has a solo CD out on April the 12th. He's amazing, isn't he? Like, you think you think Heidi Ranger's the nicest woman you've ever met? Meet Andy Bell. He's the nicest man. He's the best. If you'd like to get in touch with us, feel free. We'd love to hear from you. Our email address is whitewinequestiontime at yahoo.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter at whitewineqt. White Wine Question Time is produced by me, Kate Thornton, and Caitlin Mercer. Music's provided by the genius Andy Bell. Sound engineering and editing is by Lolita Laguna. Of course, much wine was consumed during the making of this programme for your entertainment. However, I can't say it enough. Please drink responsibly. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.